Welcome back to the Adam Schefter Podcast. The preseason now has wrapped up, and we begin to look ahead to the regular season. But first, we are in the height of fantasy football draft season. And that is why today we reached out to three different experts in their own respective fields. First, we're going to be joined by Adam Levitin and Evan Silva. They're the founders of EstablishTheRun.com, a website with the goal of giving subscribers the most intelligent, thorough, and accurate football analysis. This will be the fifth occasion on which we had either one or both of them on this podcast to dispense their insights into players to target, select, and avoid in your upcoming fantasy football drafts. And this is a podcast fantasy football draft guide version featuring Evan Silva, and Adam Levitin, and we'll also be joined by the owner of Bomberito Performance Systems, Pete Bomberito, the man that founded a training center for NFL players. He trains them during the offseason, is with them throughout, and can recommend players that people should be drafting in fantasy. Last year, in this very spot, he recommended rookie wide receiver Christian Watson, and if we listened to Christian Watson recommendation last year, then your fancy football team probably would have been better than it actually was. So Pete Bomarito will join us with his fantasy football advice. But first, the weekly six-pack. All right, we're going to start down with cut down day. As we tape this midday Monday, every NFL roster will have to trim from 90 players to 53 players. That means essentially 1,184 players, almost 1,200 people will be unemployed this week. Now, 16 on each team will be eligible to be brought back to practice squads. So that's essentially 512 onto practice squads. But we're talking about six, 700 men that are going to be out of jobs. It's a difficult week. It is the single busiest transactional week on the NFL calendar. And then after All the cuts culminate on Tuesday for teams begin to assemble their practice squads for the next day. They make roster changes and additions. But this, this is the single busiest week for front offices around the league. I think even busier than the draft. Cut down day has arrived and we'll see what kind of shape each team is in once we get through it. Item number two on this week's six pack, the rookie quarterbacks. Again, We've stated that we're a little concerned about how Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, all of whom have already been named their team starting quarterbacks, are being rushed into action while we've seen other rookie quarterbacks shine throughout this preseason. Think about the great play we've gotten this summer from the Raiders rookie quarterback Aiden O'Connell, from the Packers rookie quarterback Sean Clifford, from the Bears rookie quarterback, Tyler Bajan. From the Browns rookie quarterback, DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. The Arizona Cardinals rookie quarterback, Clayton Toon. Rookie quarterbacks have shined, except the ones at the top of the draft with the greatest pressure and the greatest spotlight. And I'm just worried that that's going to negatively impact some of these guys who have such huge expectations While some of these other rookie quarterbacks, the ones picked much later, already have stood out this preseason and looked like the game has not been too big for them. 
item number three on the six-pack this week. How about the Arizona Cardinals? They continue making moves, and there is not a team, I don't believe, that may be better positioned for next offseason than Arizona, which continues to stockpile draft picks. The Cardinals already have added an extra first-round pick from Houston to third-round picks from Houston and Tennessee, which they did during the draft last year. They added another fifth-round pick and seventh-round pick last week by trading offensive lineman Josh Jones and linebacker Isaiah Simmons. And the Cardinals just keep stockpiling draft picks. So Arizona may have plenty of losses to endure this season, but the offseason is when the wins are coming. And this team continues to put itself in position to improve dramatically and rapidly in 2024. All right, item number four, let's stay in the NFC West. Trey Lance sent to the Dallas Cowboys for a fourth round pick and people are up in arms that the 49ers blew the pick. Yes, they did. They missed. They whiffed. They admitted it. They own it. But how many teams in the league could do that? Trade all those picks. Take a quarterback who doesn't make it on your respective franchise. Trade him for a fourth round pick and still be viewed as one of the best teams in the NFL with a loaded roster, despite the fact that they didn't hit on that pick. To me, it was a win to get a fourth-round pick for Trey Lance. It's a win for Dallas to bring in a guy with the upside that he has. It was necessary for everybody to move on. Trey Lance asked to be shipped out. The 49ers accommodated that wish. They sent him to Dallas. And by the way, it looks like he's still going to be the number three in Dallas behind Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush. But a change of scenery was necessary for everybody. The 49ers did the right thing. And I know that it would have been great if they had nailed one of the great players in that draft. And there were a lot of them, but they didn't. And they're still one of the best rosters in the NFL. And not many teams could have whiffed on a pick like that and still be in the shape that San Francisco is today. All right. Item number five on the six pack. How about the Dolphins giving a huge contract extension over the weekend to their defensive lineman, Jake Seiler. He signs a three-year extension worth up to $38.65 million. That includes $20 million guaranteed. But it wasn't that Jake Seiler got rewarded, which he certainly deserved. It's that Christian Wilkins, who was having something of a hold-in this summer, did not. The Dolphins talked about a deal with him. They didn't get it done. So instead, they go ahead and they sign their defensive lineman, Zach Seiler, to a big money deal, while Christian Wilkins is not signed. And so that bears watching as the season goes on, a guy that didn't get the contract he wanted, a guy that you want in your locker room and you want on your roster, Christian Wilkins and the Dolphins unable to reach a long-term deal. And as for the last item on our weekly six-pack, we are going to talk about fantasy drafts. Now, I love NFL Draft Day. It's one of the best days of the year. But I think that fantasy draft days might be the single most exciting time of the year for people who basically follow the sport and play fantasy football. There is nothing like the morning of your fantasy football draft. You're thinking about it all day, wondering who you should take, wondering what picks you should use on who. And that's why today we went ahead and reached out to people who can provide insight and information about the picks that you can make in your upcoming fantasy football drafts, which will play out over the course of the next couple of weeks leading up to the start of the regular season, which is on Thursday night 
September 7th in Kansas City, the Lions and Detroit. Until then, people across the country will be holding their fancy drafts. And we're going to start today by the founders of EstablishTheRun.com, the website with the goal of giving subscribers intelligent, thorough, and accurate football analysis, Evan Silva and Adam Levitin. For you guys, this must be the single busiest time of the year because everybody right now is drafting their fantasy teams. Everybody wants advice. I'm getting regular texts to ask what's happening with Jonathan Taylor, who's your sleeper, who's your brain, all those questions, right? So I just figured with everybody doing their drafts here in the next couple of weeks, we would have a audio version, a podcast version of the players you want to draft and the players you want to avoid. So Evan, why don't you start us out, being that you took off last year from this annual podcast tradition, and give us a few guys that you have a lot of exposure to, that you're recommending, that you feel really strongly about this upcoming season. Well, one guy who really stands out to me this year, and I, I, I can't believe that his ADP has not moved up, and that's Alexander Madison, who you can routinely get in the fifth and sixth round. All the Vikings beat writers are convinced this player is going to be a workhorse. The Vikings were a top nine offense last year, and I think their offensive line is going to get better. They upgraded from Adam Thielen to Jordan Addison. Justin Jefferson is going to have a huge uh, season. And TJ Hawkinson was a big-time performer for them down the stretch. It's just a locked-in workhorse bell cow back in a high-scoring offense. Like, I want that guy on my fantasy team. And, and absolutely when I can get him in the fifth round. He, you, know, you know what's interesting about that is yeah. they, they don't have anybody really behind him that's right. proven. So that, that's the other part about this, right? Like he's in a good situation as it is, but they don't have a guy that they know can take away some of the workload from him the way, say, Zeke Elliott might do in New England with Ramondre Stevenson. Well, and I do have – well, I think that Ty Chandler is an interesting potential change of pace back but, I mean, he's two and four, 204 pounds, and so that's what he's going to be. He's going to get a change of pace back. Alexander Madison is 221 pounds, built to execute at the goal line. Adam, who's your recommendation, highest recommendation here? Like a couple of guys. Yeah, the guys that I take the most in the middle rounds are usually at the wide receiver position, and the one that I take a ton of is Christian Watson, and I can't believe that he's been going in round six. I know people aren't high on Jordan Love. I know people think that Christian Watson is totally dead now that Aaron Rodgers is gone. I mean, Christian Watson went from North Dakota State FCS to 2.26 yards per route run as a rookie. I mean, the only guys to reach that high as a rookie, you're talking about Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown, Odell Beckham, Martavis Bryant. And so I think Jordan Love in this offense is actually gonna be a little bit better than people think. And Christian Watson is a major year two breakout candidate for me. And then the other one that I really like is James Cook. You know, if you mm. miss out on that RB2 range, James Cook is a guy who's not going to play every snap. He might come out at the goal line in favor of Damian Harris, but that's why James Cook is available in the seventh round or so. He's going to be 60, 65% of the running back touches for one of the best offenses in the league. And if he's really good and he plays really well, maybe that can get even higher. And so in leagues where I go hero running back, in other words, one running back early, then wait until later to take my second running back. James Cook, Dave Montgomery, those types I think are really interesting. Evan, Adam gave us a running back and a wide receiver. You gave us a running back. Give me a wide receiver before we go on to the 
quarterback and tight end positions as well? Well, it would be Tyler Lockett, who year after year mm. are higher on than consensus. And this year, for some reason, his ADP is as low as it's been in like five years, even after <laughs> Action Smith and Jigba got injured. Tyler Lockett every single year finishes as a top 25 fantasy receiver. This year you can get him in the sixth and seventh round. I mean, I, I think that the I think the Seahawks offense is going to cook this year, and Tyler Lockett is their best receiver. Better than DK Metcalf? I mean, DK Metcalf is a big-time talent, but Tyler Lockett is a better wide receiver than DK Metcalf. Well, that, that that's quite a recommendation there. All right, let's go to the quarterback position. Adam, give us a little breakdown there. Yeah, so my favorite quarterback is Jalen Hurts. Obviously, he's going to be very, very hard to get. He typically goes in round two or so. The guy who I think is in the same tier as uh, Jalen Hurts this year is Lamar Jackson. And I know other people don't think that Lamar Jackson is part of that tier with Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes. But for me, this is Lamar Jackson's best spot of his career. He has four first-round picks as wide receivers, now still has Mark Andrews, and they add Todd Monken, who I think is going to make this Ravens team play much faster, and this team is going to play much more much more pass-heavy. Lamar's got the contract. I think he'll be safe to run a lot, and so, man, I mean, Lamar Jackson could have one of his best years, and that's saying a lot because he did win the MVP in 2019, but I really, really like Lamar Jackson end of round three, round four. I think he's a priority target. Do, do you worry about the acclimation period, the breaking period to a new offense that it might slow him down to start the season? Yeah, I think Ty Monken has been around and knows how to do this. And I think Lamar has new pieces also, and they're kind of all learning together. And I, yeah, I think there is some worry of a slowish start, but the way he runs is just going to keep the floor and ceiling combo really high. And so Lamar, end of round three, round four, I still think is really good, even if you think he starts out of the gate a little slow. Evan? Well, Adam picked a couple of layups there. So I'm going <laughs> to uh, deeper. And I'm going to go with Geno Smith staying on the Seahawks. Wow. Shane Waldron, Pro Football Focus rated Shane Waldron, uh, a top five play caller this offseason. Um, these two rookie tackles that they drafted, they stole in the draft last year, Charles Cross and Abe Lucas. These guys are going into their second seasons. That's typically when players make their biggest leap as players in the NFL. So I think he's going to have better protection. He's going to get JSN back, you know, probably, I don't know, no, no later than week five. Um and he's got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, who, again, I'm higher uh, than consensus on both of those players. So I, I just think the the everything's kind of stacking up for Geno Smith to build on his breakout season from last year. So you you really you love Lockett, you love Geno. How we feel about Kenneth Walker the third and Zach Charbonnet? Really like Kenneth Walker the third. He showed a lot of explosiveness as a rookie took over that workhorse uh, bell cow job from Rashad Penny when he went down. And I think that he's going to remain the lead back in Seattle. I do think that Zach Charbonnet is a little bit scary for Kenneth Walker. You know, could he start to eat into uh, Kenneth Walker's passing game work? I think that that's a distinct possibility. Um, but I think they're going to come out of the gate with Kenneth, Kenneth Walker as the clear lead back, and he's going to score a lot of touchdowns in a high-scoring offense. Adam, what do you think about Seattle? Yeah, I, I like Seattle a lot. Geno Smith led the entire NFL in completion percentage over expectation last year. You don't do that over the course of an entire season and have it be a fluke. JSN is awesome. I mean, I don't think people realize how good JSN was outplayed. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave at Ohio State, once JSN gets healthy, they're going to have a really, really strong three wide receiver set. And, and I think they're going to be 
pass heavy. People think of Seattle as boomers. They're really not. I think we'll see them in the top 12 of pass rate over expectation. Mm -hmm. And we saw that by them taking a first round pick on JSN. So yeah, I really like Seattle's offense this year also. Adam, give me a tight end little overview, a guy or two that you like there before we get to Evan. Yeah, tight end this year, it, you know, you have Mark Andrews and you have Travis Kelsey. And then after that, it is a potpourri as usual <laughs> of guys who have very low floors and maybe some reasonable ceilings. I think the best combo, and this guy's price is rising a lot, so you need to be careful. But the best combo of that right now for me is Darren Waller. It's his first year with the Giants. Darren Waller has always been a massive mismatch. The thing about Darren Waller is similar to Kelsey, similar to Andrews. He's the number one target on this team. As much as I think Darius Slayton's okay and Isaiah Hodgins is okay and Paris Campbell's a nice little addition, Darren Waller is the addition that Daniel Jones and Brian Dable needed. And really, to me, like I want to be on Daybol guys. I think Daybol gets the most out of his players. He went out and he got Darren Waller. He went out and he got Jalen Wyatt. Daybol has a plan for these guys. And I think Darren Waller's plan uh, is going to be really big. If you miss out, uh, sorry, go ahead, Adam. Well, no, what, what is Waller's average draft position? What's his ADP these days? Probably up to about 55, I'm going to guess, roughly. Yeah, he started off going in the seventh round. Now he's been going in the sixth. And then I've even seen him go in the fifth lately. So it's certainly it's certainly coming up uh, a lot, which is something to think about. And if you miss out on him, there are other options later. I really like David Njoku. I think David Njoku is going to play every like single him. snap. We saw the contract that the Browns gave David Njoku. I mean, they like him a lot. And so with improved quarterback play, with Deshaun Watson, I think David Njoku, if you miss on that kind of Waller, Goddard, Hawkinson range, I think David Njoku is my favorite target. Before we get to Evan and his tight ends, I just want to go back to one thing you said. You mentioned that you're all in on Dayball, guys. So you are all in on Saquon, on Daniel Jones, on Darren Waller, on anybody else New York Giant oriented? Yeah, so we Dar uh, Daniel Jones is one of our biggest hits last year, and he's really has not come up in price whatsoever. I just think he's going to be better in year two, year two with Dable, with the addition of, of Darren Waller, with the addition of Jalen Hyatt, maybe get some guys like Wandale Robinson healthy also. So yeah, I like the Giants offense. I think Saquon goes in the appropriate range, early second round, late first round. I think that's appropriate for Saquon. We're not getting any kind of bargain on there, but I'm fine with Saquon there. Evan, your tight ends. I was going to go with Njoku, but I'll pick a different guy. Luke Musgrave, mm. and apparently dominating at Packers camp, and all of his preseason usage, I mean, he's locked into the first team. You know, he's running a, a, a route on 85% of Jordan Love's dropbacks. Dane Brugler of the, of the Athletic, uh, you know, one of the best draft analysts in the game, thought that Luke Musgrave was the best tight end in this class entering the draft, and this is known to be and historic tight end class. So Luke Musgrave being at the top of that, I just listened to a, um, a podcast with Matt Schneiderman, uh, the Packers beat writer, and his piece of fantasy advice that he gave out was draft Luke Musgrave. Wow. Yep. And um, <clears throat> wow, he, he's had a, a few drop issues in training camp, but he, he says he just, you know, he pops off the screen. He's a guy who stands out in practice that he's an absolute stud athlete. It's interesting that you bring up Luke Musgrave because this year, and you mentioned that rookie tight end class, we've got Luke Musgrave, we've got Dalton Kincaid, we've got Sam Laporta, we've got Michael Mayer, we've got, I think, four draftable rookie fantasy tight ends, all of whom are in position to make an impact. And yet, if we look at the history of rookie tight ends in fantasy, it stinks. It stinks. 
It has to scare you, right? So I'm looking at all these guys, all of whom I find appealing in some way or another, and I'm trying to justify can I, would I take them considering the track record, the poor track record that rookie tight ends have performing in fancy. How do we fit those two ideas together and where do we come out on that? Well, here's the thing. You don't have to, based on their average draft positions, Oh, which by the way, Adam, Darren Waller, I'm just looking at, at his ADP right now. He's yeah. 50, He's 56 overall and you guessed him. Said, yeah. so, well, well done there. When, when you know average draft positions off the top of your head, that really speaks to the fact of how much you care about fantasy and how little of a life you actually have. <laughs> no, I'm looking at a list. I'm, I'm cheating. <laughs> no, I'm talking about me reciting 55 <laughs> oh, you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing about the rookie tight ends. You don't have to draft them based on average draft position to be your starter. So you can get them as a number two. You know, let's, I mean – I Ideally, I want to get one of the top seven elite tight ends, okay? Ideally, or David Njoku. But if the top seven, so that, that would be Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, Dallas Goddard. Hawkinson, Kittle, and then Pitts. Kyle Pitts is kind of right on that fringe. Okay. Uh, but if you miss out on those guys, I think you could take two rookie tight ends because they're going at the end of drafts or Chiga Quanquo. Or, or Tyler Higby, who gives you like some floor because he's going to get a lot of targets. I also like Jawan Johnson. But you could pair them with a rookie tight end because, again, you don't have to use a high round draft pick to get these guys. I like some of those tight ends at the back of the draft. Too. <laughs> I, I think it's kind of, and I've always been a guy that's gone tight end early, and I don't know that I'm going to do that this year. I just don't know that I'm going to do that this year. How do you feel, how do you feel about the overall tight end position, Adam? Yeah, so I, I, I'm, I think, a little bit more wary than you guys on some of these uh, rookie tight ends. I think that I would prefer, even if I had to go to a Pat Fryermuth or Njoku uh, or Higby or Chig or someone like that, I think I prefer that to the Laporta, uh, Luke Musgrave types. I think we just have a tighter range of outcomes on those guys. You know, in a one team, uh, in a one tight end league, we only have to start one tight end. And you get down to Fryermuth or Higby or Njoku, I think I'm fine rolling with that. Now, the one that I think the rookie that to me that has the most upside is Dalton Kincaid, because I don't think they're going to use him like an actual tight end, right? So a lot of these guys are asked to learn to block and to pass and to pa- and to receive and to pass protect all in year one. That's asking a lot. Dalton Kincaid might just be asked to catch passes, period. Right. And so they're going to get him out there, detach from the line, play in the slot. You focus on one thing, win these option routes against linebackers. And I don't think he's going to play every snap. I think he's going to be out there rotationally, maybe 60, 65%, 70% of the routes. But if that's the case, Dalton Kincaid, who, I mean, they traded up for him to get him in round one. Dalton Kincaid could actually have the most upside, I think, of all the rookie tight ends. Do you think that there's been so much talk through established the run, the fancy community, ESPN, that it gets harder and harder every year to get an edge over the people in your league that you're competing with? Does it get harder and harder every year? I think that that is so league dependent. I think at high stakes stuff, at uh, serious league stuff, undoubtedly people are so much better than they were before. And I think that a way you see that is in where running backs are going. I mean, to Evan's point, guys like Miles Sanders and Cam Akers and and uh, uh, Rashad White um, and Alexander Madison, these guys would be going in like round two, three a few years ago. And I think that was a mistake. Now they're going probably 
more in the right place. And that just speaks to how much sharper fantasy has gotten. That said, I was at a home league draft uh, yesterday and Justin Tucker went in round seven and Tank Bigsby didn't get drafted. So, you know, it's, it's, wow. it's, all, over, it's all over the spectrum, you know? Considering that people are always looking for that edge and you might not need it in a 10 or a 12 team league, but in a 14 or a 16, and I'm in a 16, give me some random guys at the back end of the draft with an ADP higher than, let's just say, 175 that could come in and be factors this year for people picking in deeper leagues. Yeah. I'll I'll go. I'll, I'll take the first one that comes off top, top of my head. I hope this qualifies, Adam. Sam Howell ran for over 800 yards in his final year at North Carolina. We saw him in the preseason last year really play well and run a bunch. Week 18 spot start last year, he runs for 35 yards and a touchdown. Preseason this year, he's been absolutely shredding. And I actually think that his weapons are pretty nice. I, assuming that Terry McLaurin's toe is okay, Terry McLaurin. Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, Antonio Gibson, Logan Thomas is pretty nice. So my favorite late, late round quarterback uh, would be Sam Howell. I could talk about this stuff all day, though. Please come back to me. I, I, have, I have plenty more. Go ahead. Give, give, give me more. Give me more. Because in my 16-team War Room League draft, ESPN, which I've never won, which I want to win, th- those are the picks I think that make a difference. <laughs> okay. Kenny Gainwell, I think a lot of people think will be the number three running back for the Eagles. Even if that's true, he can pay it off when he goes in the round 15 or round 16. I think DeAndre Swift will be the starter. Rashad Penny is going to play on some base downs. I think the Boston Scott stuff has been overblown. Kenny Gainwell is the backup to both Penny and Swift, both their roles, and he's going to play in two minute and four minutes. So there's some base value, I think, with Kenny Gainwell late and some contingent value if something happened to Penny uh, or Swift. So that would be a, a late running back that I like. Evan, what do you got for me late? I'm going to go with three rookie wide receivers. People don't like to draft rookie wide receivers, but over the course of the season, these guys tend to start to pop as their first seasons progress. Jonathan Mingo is already locked in as a starter. I want that. I think they want him to grow with Bryce Young. And I think they're going to manufacture some touches w- with him because he's really good with the ball in his hands. He's 225 pounds, ripped up the combine. Again, already locked in as a starter. I think that Tank Dell is going to end up leading all the Texans wide receivers in snaps. And there's 165 pounds. But I've heard that he's already C.J. Stroud's favorite target. Um, and then Marvin Mims, who Sean Payton traded up to draft in the second round in Denver, the first pick of the Sean Payton era. I think that Sean Payton saw a lot of um, Brandon Cooks, who he drafted in New Orleans, in Marvin Mims. Marvin Mims averaged almost 20 yards per reception at Oklahoma. I think that Russell Wilson, although he's not coming off his best season, he can still throw the deep ball, and Marvin Mims can go get it. A few things in all those, right? We're going to start with Mingo, Jonathan Mingo, the Panthers wide receiver. I don't study these guys in college or coming out, but I watched him in one of the preseason games, and when he caught a pass and made a play, the first thing that popped into my mind, and I'd like to see more tape of him to see if it's true, he reminded me of Debo Samuel. What do you think of that analogy? Like, I, he, I think that that's kind of kind of going to be how they use him. Yeah. He, he, he looked like that to me. So that kind of stood out. Tank Dell, rookie, watched him against New England in a preseason game. The guy can make plays. And I think, to your point, they already believe in him right now. Who's the third guy you said? The third? Marvin. Now, here's the thing about Marvin Mims. Jerry Judy got carted off last week. Mm-hmm. 
with a hamstring injury. Cooper Cup missed a few weeks with a calf strain. Uh, you know, they have not given us a timeline on Jerry Judy, but I'll bet you it's going to be over a month. I'll yeah. bet you I'll take the over there. That's my guess. I don't have an answer. For it. When you're carted off with a hamstring, you have his injury history. I'm going to guess we don't see him for a month. So I'm going to guess he misses at a minimum the first couple of games. And they've been calling around the league as we record this on Monday morning, looking for another wide receiver, which tells me that they're not comfortable with how much time Judy's going to miss because KJ Hamler is not going to play for them this year. Uh, Tim Patrick ruptured his Achilles. And now Jerry Judy has an injury that's going to keep him out an indeterminate amount of time. But I would say when you're carved off of the hands, of course he's going to miss time. So I think the reports were, what, a few weeks? Well, like, when the guy's caught, what do you think it's going to be, right? I'll take the over on the time that Jerry Judy's going to miss this year by the fact that they're calling around for another wide receiver. Hmm. And let's see what Marvin Mims can do during that time because the opportunity is going to come his way. Yeah, and that's particularly notable that you're, you're here talking about the Broncos. I've heard you've had some history with Denver, Adam Schefter. I, I know that organization a little bit. But, Evan, I've done this long enough that I have a history with basically 32 teams at this point in time. Right, right. When you cover the league for 33 years, you, you, you wind up having a history with a lot of people. But, yes, that was that was the first team that I kind of grew up on. And, uh, yeah, listen, but it, anybody that watches and observes would know that, okay, guy's carted off, guy has an injury history, they're calling around for wide receivers, to add more people, okay, this doesn't sound promising for a shorter return. Now we'll see how it shakes out. I'm going to go. I'm gonna have to go lower Jerry Judy in my rankings now. I, I, listen, uh, there was one person I spoke to this morning, not with the Broncos organization, with another organization, was, was familiar with all that. He's like, Jerry Judy, that guy, I think, and again, this not me reporting, this is just somebody saying it, I think the guy's going to miss six to eight weeks. Oh. You know, now, again, I want to make it very clear. I'm not reporting that. Somebody yeah. just said that, and they don't know. But that was their theory with this person's familiarity with injuries. So let's see how long he misses. I hope he's back sooner than later. He's a great player. They're counting on him. They need him. Let's see how soon he can make it back. But he got carted off last week. So he got carted off, uh, what's the date roughly? Let's say... Yeah, it was around August, the 21st. August 21st? Let, let's let's come up with let, – let's establish the over-under five weeks, mm. okay? 35 days, which would put them on course to miss, what, two, three games mm-hmm. minimum? That's that's my guess as to where it winds up coming in. And it is a guess. I want to emphasize that. So we'll see. All right, we talked about some guys that we're going to target later on. Give me some guys – that both of you in best ball drafts and season long drafts and what do you call it? at home drafts or whatever that's called, Adam? Yeah. Home leagues or just regular home fantasy. Home yeah. leagues. Okay. Give me some guys in home leagues, best balls, wherever it is that you've avoided this year that you have next to no exposure of Adam. Yeah, I, I think that the key to home leagues this year is to skip over that running back tier, which includes Miles Sanders. And so when people are taking guys like Cam Akers and Miles Sanders and Rashad White, I want to be taking guys like Christian Watson and Drake London, really high upside wide receivers. On Miles Sanders specifically, I mean, 
I don't think people understand the rushing environment that the Eagles have. I mean, it is so, so, so strong. Miles Sanders, I think, was pulled along by that offensive line, by Jalen Hurts, by the scheme. Now he has to go to Carolina, which is a massive downgrade in offensive line, massive grade in scheme and quarterback play, obviously, also. And so to think that Miles Sanders is going to go down there and have any semblance of the year that he had with the Eagles, I think is asking too much. And I know he that Miles Sanders caught 50 balls under Deuce Staley as a rookie in Philly. Since then, he's been just flat out poor as a pass catcher. And so I'm not sure that's just going to spike back up all of a sudden now because he's with Deuce Staley again. So Miles Sanders has been kind of the, the poster player for me of avoiding that range and instead going high upside wide receiver there. Evan, you got a guy or two that you've avoided at all costs? I'm avoiding the Colts offense. Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, some interest in Anthony Richardson. I mean, the guy, he's going to be able to get out there and run. But I, I'm just worried that that offense is going to be really, really bad. Uh, they have two gaping holes on their offensive line, too, at left tackle and right guard. And I just I think it's going to be a tumultuous, tumultuous first season for Anthony Richardson in the pros. Only started 13 games in college, completed 54% of his passes. I I just I think it's going to be real rocky. I'm with you there. I think it's hard to count on a Colts wide receiver this year. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to know about Jonathan Taylor. We should get some clarity on that this week. But if he's back in Indy, and that would seem to be at the time of this taping the most logical course of action, despite the fact that they've given him permission to seek a trade, he's not going to be happy there. That's not going to be a pretty situation. You wouldn't want him. And Anthony Richardson, I think, will have some games where he rushes for a lot and posts some big numbers, but. If you go back and look at quarterbacks who have had a similar skill set, I think there have been plenty of games early in their careers where they've had low fantasy outputs, correct? Definitely. I mean, to me, that 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 would worry me. And as we get ready for, again, this crazy time of the year, is there a certain strategy? Adam, you mentioned skipping over running backs in the mid-tier. Are there other ideas that can be and will be useful to people in their fancy drafts that you could prescribe here today? Yeah, sure. I, I think the big one is that that kind of running back versus wide receiver, understanding where they're going to go. The second one, though, is understanding how the quarterback position in fantasy has changed. When we first started doing this, late round quarterback was undoubtedly, for sure, the right strategy. Guys just were not separating at the top because they weren't running and throwing. We had some strict passers that were very good, and we had some strict runners that were very good. We didn't have both. Now that we have both, that top tier I talked about where these guys are scoring 30 points so predictably, so consistently every week. It is more of a priority for me now than ever to get an elite quarterback, one of the top four, or ideally someone before that uh, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence type range. And so, yeah, I think understanding how the game has changed, how fantasy has changed, how the NFL has changed, quite frankly, is an important part of, of the quarterback position. And when you say the top four, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson. I would I would have I would have Jalen Hurts first, then Allen, then Lamar, then, then Mahomes, but they're all certainly uh, very close. But yeah, those guys to me are a clear top four. You'd have Lamar ahead of Patrick Mahomes in fantasy. I would. I would. I think that the rushing that Lamar gives you combined with I have a lot of question marks about Chiefs wide receivers, and I, I'm sure Patrick Mahomes is gonna be fine. I'm sure he's still gonna crush. It's just if you look at his wide receivers, you look at Travis Kelsey entering. Age 34, it's just asking a lot. I still think Patrick Mahomes will be there in the top four. But yeah, I don't think he's separating from Lamar, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. Evan? Most leagues at this point are at least half PPR. 
Most, I would say, are probably full PPR at this point. But even in non-PPR leagues, prioritizing running backs who can catch passes mm. um, is critical because that can help make them game flow proof. Like if their team falls behind and they're staying in and they're still catching passes, you're going to still get some points out of them. Um, just from yardage um, and, and also, you know, scoring opportunities. But running back, like I would downgrade running backs like Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor. Um, I think that uh, uh, J.K. Dobbins is not going to catch many passes. Miles Sanders is not a very good receiving back. So, you know, to uh, to uh, uh, Levitan's point there. Um, but ju- just focusing on running backs that are going to stay in the game, even when their team falls behind, so they're not going to kill you week in and week out. And is this time of the year as crazy for you guys as I would think it would be? Yeah. Yes, it's been a it's been a bit of a zoo, but honestly, like I actually, even if this wasn't our job, I really think that I would be going crazy trying to get ready for the season, anyways. So you know, can't complain. This this week, these next two weeks for you are what I would say March first to or March fifth to March twentieth are for me. Free agent week, right? Those two yeah. weeks of free agency. That this is this is your couple of weeks of free agency here. Yes. I thought you were going to say something about April 15th and us being tax accountants. And, and this is uh, similar to that. But. <laughs> nope. Well, I appreciate both of you guys, Adam Levitin, Evan Silva, two of the best there are in the business. These guys know their stuff, established the run, tremendous website, love going there for information and insight. And I appreciate both of you guys making the time during the height of your season to share some of your fantasy wisdom. Thanks so much for having us. Really appreciate it. Thanks, man. And there they are, the founders of EstablishTheRun.com. Go there for some more great fancy football information. They do a great job. We appreciate their time, especially at a time when they're so busy. And from Evan Silva and Adam Levitin to Pete Bomarito, the owner of Bomarito Performance Systems, a man that in this spot last year recommended that we take Christian Watson, a rookie wide receiver. That turned out to be right. So we went back to Pete Bomarito to see who he's recommending for fantasy football drafters this season. Give us an idea of what you saw this offseason that should translate well into the regular season as it pertains to fantasy football, Pete. Well, I say, I you know, we've done this many years, and I always start off with, like, I think the biggest shock. You know, I don't always want to talk about the obvious ones. I want to talk about something that might not be so obvious. You know, I think this year... I'd like to go out on a ledge and make another bold statement like I did last year. I think Jalen Warren is going to be one of the, the most productive backs in the NFL. And not just from a playing standpoint, from a fantasy football standpoint. So last year, my big time unheralded sleeper was Christian Watson. And I think it made me look pretty smart. He, he definitely made me look smart this year. My, my sleeper pick of the year. That's more, uh, I think, underrated is going to be Jalen Warren. So not only I think he's going to be have the best stats on the Steelers, I think he's going to be one of the most effective backs in the league. I would go on a limb and say he'll be top 10. Why do you say that? Um, it's just you just can see it. You can see it. Like, obviously, he has the talent. Anytime he gets in the game, you can see the talent. And he does everything. He does everything very, very well. And I think he's just untapped. You know, like I thought he was great last year coming back and watching him this offseason in terms of his speed, his strength, 
um, just his pass catching ability, everything. And obviously, once you got one year under your belt in an offense like that, I think it's just going to explode. You know, and obviously, I don't think people think he's going to be the starter, um, but you just you can't deny production. Whether who is named the starter, this and that, he's just going to produce, and he's going to produce big numbers. So I'd say Jalen Warren. A um, couple other backs. I think that uh, Kyron Williams of the Rams, he, he'll have the most points of any backs on the Rams. Um, I definitely think that he's going to be one of the top players. Um, I've always raved about Aaron Jones. I don't think he's really a secret anymore. You know, I mean, it was he was known as, hey, he's going to be a scat back and he's not going to get the carries and fantasy football production down because they rotate backs. Aaron Jones, I think, is going to have the best year of his career. Um, I don't think he's a secret anymore. But, you know, those are the things. And I think that when you're looking at overall uh, what Damian Harris brings to the table, I think he's going to have a lot more points than people think. You know, I think he, he's in a great fit. And I think it was a, it's a great opportunity for him. And I know people talk about a crowded backfield, but I don't think it matters. I think that most coaches want to win and going to go with the hot hand. And I think Damian Harris is really going to surprise people. But hands down, Jalen Warren, Kyron Williams. Those are the guys. Whoa. What, what, tell, you, you skipped right over Kyron Williams when you said him. Give me a little bit of your thoughts and perspective on Kyron Williams and why you believe he's going to have the most fancy points of any Rams running back. He could be one of the best pass-catching running backs I've ever seen, and I've seen some good ones. Remember, years ago when we very first started, that's what attracted me to Le'Veon Bell when he first came out um, when we were discussing him before his rookie year. You know, and and Kyron, and I'm not trying to compare him to Le'Veon Bell, but what I'm saying is Kyron's just got that that ability that literally if he would just play receiver, he could easily be a team's like number three receiver. He's just that good, you know, but he's also a true running back, so he can just do everything. So I think that in terms of receiving yards, he could have some of the most receiving yards of any running back in this league. And therefore, from a fantasy football standpoint, I think he's going to be very valuable. You know, Pete, I was big on Kyron Williams last year. The Rams loved him, and he went out in his first game on the opening kickoff and hurt his ankle and needed tightrope surgery right after the first kick. And I'm like, oh, there goes my sleeper for the year. And I'm usually a year early on guys. So maybe Kyron this year matches up with what you're saying. You trained him during the offseason. Is he going to hold up okay physically in your mind? Yeah, definitely. The, the ankle's an afterthought. You know, football is football. No matter how hard you train, if you have something like what happened to him, you know, the, the, these types of injuries are going to happen. It's just a rough, rough contact sport. But the good thing is, is when he came in the offseason, there was absolutely no issues with the ankle. It did not impede his progress whatsoever throughout the entire offseason from day one all the way through training camp. So um, he's as fast as ever. He really dedicated himself to putting on some solid muscle and getting and gaining speed. That was his goal. That's what he achieved. And I think the Rams fans are definitely, you know, due for a, a, a great surprise there. Now, you said that your surprise pick last year was Christian Watson. And I'm curious to know yeah. what made you recommend him last year and whether you still feel as strongly about Christian Watson this year, Pete. I actually think that Christian, I'm much higher on Christian Watson this year. He was my sleeper last year, but last year was more of a shock. This year, I think people expect him to do well. But, yeah, I think he's going to be one of the best receivers in the league 
from a football and from a fantasy football perspective. I know people are nervous about the fact that uh, he's got a new quarterback and this and that, but the same thing I said last year holds true. It's just so rare you get a guy that tall that can run that fast. I've personally never seen it. And I know that speed doesn't just mean anything in the league, but I'm telling you, when you have the professionalism he has, when you have the absolute dedication to taking care of your body and you have that kind of speed, good things are going to happen. You know, and you saw it last year. Once he got into a groove, he looked like a man among boys. The speed is absolutely dominating. It does transfer to football, even though I know people look at him as a track guy. It does transfer, and you saw it plain as day. When you're that fast, great things are going to happen. And the fact that he's got that length, I've never seen anybody that tall run that fast that plays the sport of football. That's the first for me. Wow. So he's just wow. he's something wow. that comes around once a decade. Yeah, he's just uh, – he, he's, he's an interesting player, you know, so I think good things are ahead for him. So you've mentioned Jalen Warren. You've mentioned Kyron Williams, Damian Harris, Christian Watson. Is there anybody else, before I let you go, that you would recommend that fantasy football players consider drafting this upcoming season? Anybody else that caught your eye? Yeah, I mean, definitely always Tyreek Hill, but he's been a, a, a guy since we first started talking years ago. Yeah. But I think one thing is don't sleep on Tyreek. He's not getting too old. But I think that one interesting case, you know, a guy I like to discuss a lot is Terry McLaurin. You know, he's a guy that came out, had his first Pro Bowl last year. And I'm telling you, I think he's just going to continue to build. Like, like, like definitely nobody should sleep on him. It wasn't like a one-year thing. He's just going to get better. He's going to have more catches, put up more stats. Uh, Terry McLaurin's due for another uh, Pro Bowl beyond even all pro year with bigger stats. So I think that definitely from a he's a great guy. When I look at McLaurin, yeah, yeah, he's definitely. a great guy. And when you, when you when you have that kind of character, yeah, and then the other part of it, yeah, you're right, McLaurin, McLaurin Watson, they're the ultimate locker room guys. You're exactly right. And then from a tight end perspective, I think that David Njoku is on a roll, and I think that hmm. he should have the stats again, uh, even better than last year. So I think that you know we look at what Njoku's been able to do and where he's going, I, I would say that look at his stats from last year, they're going to go up again. Well, Pete, I appreciate the insight. Everybody's getting ready for their fantasy football drafts. Let's see if you can hit on Jalen Warren, Kyron Williams, Damian Harris, Christian Watson, Terry McLaurin, some of those other players, the way you did last year with Christian Watson, which you nailed, and your picks and insight routinely have been spot on over the years, which is why we have put you on here again today. We appreciate your time and your insights. Have a great season, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you in this spot again next year, Pete. Thanks so much, Adam. I appreciate you. And there are Pete Bomarito's recommendations, and if they are what they were last year, then that's going to be very valuable for people holding and participating in their fantasy football drafts in the coming days. Like I said, love this time of the year. Love this time of the year for the hopes that every football franchise has for its team. Everybody thinks that they got a chance to win their division, go to the playoffs, win the Super Bowl. Everybody's getting ready for their fantasy football drafts. Everybody's hoping to win their fantasy football titles. And that's why we thought it would be a great idea to bring along today Evan Silva, Adam Levitin, Pete Bomarito for their time and information. I want to thank them. I want to thank my great producers, Christina Buswell, Sarah Abbott, for putting together this podcast, and you, the listener, for tuning in to another podcast here. Please join us again next week. 
We are scheduled to be joined by the voices of Monday Night Football, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, as they get ready for the Monday Night regular season opener, a historic matchup between the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets. Troy Aikman and Joe Buck will be in this spot next week to break down that matchup and the upcoming NFL season. Until then, have a great Labor Day, be well, and stay safe. 